This episode of the Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Sports Interaction Sportsbook and Casino, focusing on the teams, players, and games that actually matter to you. They're not just another sportsbook, featuring a brand new betting platform with even more ways to bet, including same-game parlays, a game-changer. Plus, Sports Interaction Casino, the best in the market with an insane amount of games and live 24-7 dealers. So I bet with those American companies who don't understand your city. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Bet local. Download the app or go to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Always remember to bet local. Here's Chris with your host, Julia McKenzie. Part of the game. Connor McDavid, the big story for us here on the CJ Show. We have some other topics as well. Travis Dermott will come up. Uh, the Calgary Flames, uh, they have a few different stories going around hmm. right now. And it's Monday, so it's Ask CJ time. We start in Edmonton. We're already the Edmonton Oilers are off to a pretty wonky start. Vander Kane getting a little snarky with his playing time. And if matters couldn't get any worse, Connor McDavid out for up to two weeks, could be out for a week, could be two weeks, with an upper body injury suffered against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, uh, how bad do you think the vibes are in Edmonton right now, CJ? Well, they're getting worse, right? I mean, uh, having your, your top player leave with, with an injury. I mean, Connor McDavid really has not been injured much during his career, missed, missed a whack of time in his rookie season, but he's he's been a healthy, consistent performer for that team. And, and to lose him amid everything else going on, um, you know, the vibes are, are probably trending in the wrong direction. Now, you know, I, I don't get the sense actually from the Oilers out of things and anyone's panicking at, at this point, you know, it's one of these ones, like like teams get off to these starts after three, four five games. And obviously some of the, the pressure gets turned up. I, I understand fan bases might get angsty. The reporters are, but I, you know, I think internally the Oilers are pretty confident that, that the water will find its level, but uh, you know, clearly this is, a time with McDavid not not playing the next stretch of games where some of those other players are going to have to step up. I, I would suggest to you that Evander Kane's probably going to see more ice time uh, during th this period, just because you know it's, it's going to be a, a sort of next man up kind of thing. And and you know you're not looking to replace what Connor McDavid does, but maybe it's an opportunity for some of the other players on the roster who haven't uh, had a great start to the year to to find uh, a better version of themselves and pull together and, and come through this. So. You know, it's kind of a weird play with McDavid. Not sure if you saw the highlight, just skating up the ice and kind of grabs at his, his lower back area. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not, not wasn't a big hit or anything, at least not that I'm aware of. And, and so, you know, it, it does sound as though there's not huge concern about the the time frame. I think they're just being careful and patient. And it's it's early in a long season, and you know, obviously he'll get some rehab work done, some rest, and uh, you know, I think he'll be back sooner than later. It is early, but what do you make of that Oilers start? I mean, it's ugly, right? It's 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 tough because it starts with the what was it eight one loss on on opening night for them in Vancouver, and and you know you 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 can throw one game out the window, I guess, but but you know then they lost, you know they, they sort of stacked some losses together here, and you know they've been called out a little bit by Jay Woodcroft after a game last week, so you know I it, it's I'm not glossing over it by any means, and and you know, but it it's just so early in the season, I, I can't get too excited about any one team or too down on any one team 
at this stage. I mean, we, we've seen some some positive starts. The Atlantic Division, you know, Detroit's off to a nice start. Senators have won some games. You know, th- there's those, there's good vibes in those kind of markets. And then when you're expected to be among the, the teams competing for the Stanley Cup, when, when you're sitting in, uh, right near the bottom where Edmonton is, then, then you know, there is going to be some questions raised. But, you know, I, I think that, that for them, they didn't magically turn terrible this year. I mean, the, the core of the team remains intact. You know, they've brought in some support players, obviously maybe a little slower start for some of those guys, you know, Connor Brown missed almost all of last season, for example, um, you know, after having knee surgery. And so you know, I think it's, it's, it should be expected that it takes some time for the new players to get adjusted and get back up to speed. But um, you know, I, I don't, I haven't seen anything in that start that tells me we were all wrong. Those of us that had them as, as one of the better teams in the league, but, you know, you don't want it to go on two more weeks. And, you know, if it's two more weeks before Connor McDavid plays a game and the, the team keeps playing in this manner for that two weeks, then we're going to have a real spicy storyline. Absolutely. Who should feel more worried than the, the Edmonton Oilers uh, or the NHL? Because there's a possibility. Uh, well, it's looking like it will be the case It's uh, that uh, Connor McDavid won't play in the Heritage Classic at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton uh, next Sunday. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it's not the biggest, uh, it's not the best thing you want if you're trying to get people to watch that game. Yeah, it stinks. You know, just the timing of it, and and you know the Oilers have played in a couple outdoor games, uh, and Carter McDavid's been part of them. But but you know it, those are special moments in a career too. You know, even even a career that includes a lot of them, you're only going to do that four or five times at most probably. And, and so for Connor McDavid, I'm sure he was looking forward to that. I know he was part of the the promotional tour that they've done. He went to Commonwealth. Uh, before the season and met some reporters there and, and, you know, talked about that game. I mean, who knows? We, th- there's, there's a world where he gets back for that game. It's, you know, I don't know that the, that we, we can say with certainty today that he's not going to play, but um, you know, much better event um, if, if he's in that game than, than if he isn't. And, and, you know, remember this is a callback to, to the original heritage classic that was played, you know, back with, with Montreal and Edmonton. I remember that event distinctly. I don't. I don't know if you watched that as a kid or when you were younger, but oh yeah, um, I definitely watched that as a kid. That I was a, that was that a big a national moment, right? I mean, I, I'm not sure because we've seen so many outdoor games; it's, it still holds the same place. But you know, I think that that game will get more eyeballs than a typical even Oilers Flames game would. As much as those are, are great heated battles, I think it'll be in a national window and it'll get pumped up a little bit. And so you'd, you'd much rather have the best player in the game in the game if possible. So let's hope. Uh, Let's hope maybe he has a speedier recovery. He's on the short end of that timeline and, and that McDavid will be able to play. So already in that game, you're looking at McDavid possibly being out. We'll touch on it on the other side of, of you can bet that, but pending appeal, Rasmus Anderson not going to be there. There is going to be some star power and some players that could miss it. But I mean, at the same time, like Leon Dreisaitl could still be there. I know he's off to a bad start, but uh, Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberto, they, they're going to be there too. There are some players still worth watching. And I know for me, it's going to be my first outdoor game, so I'm still going to be excited about it regardless. Yeah, look, it's still Oilers Flames. At the end of the day, yeah. a lot of different players have worn those sweaters over the years, and, and yet there's always something sort of special in the battle. It's usually uh, the temperature can rise a little bit, and you know I, I think it'll still be a good good event for the league. It's not as though everybody's tuning out just if McDavid doesn't play, but you know, Let's hope he gets in there. I just think there's a little more buzz if he's in that game because you want to see what he can do. And 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 in you know the spectacle of having that many more fans and even a typical NHL arena, like I think it would be cool if he could have a moment in a game like that. But you know, at this point, we're just hoping uh, crossing the fingers, hoping he's able to play. 
Yeah, I hope so too. And uh, Nickelback, I believe, is also playing uh, that game as well. I don't know. Where do you stand on them? I think they get too much hate for no reason. I think they're they're a fine Canadian band that basically goes to the well and plays the hits and knows what is a hit. And I don't know. I I don't I don't I never hated them as much as people hated them. I think they're a fine Canadian band. I expected you'd have like a scorching take on Nickelback. Nah, I, I think they're fine. A lot of people have scorching takes on them. I don't I don't think you need to get the energy up. They have some good songs. I don't mind them. I, I kind of okay. like them. I mean, I don't put them on. Like, they don't get regular play on my Spotify no. or whatever. But if I hear a Nickelback song, I tend to like it. Yeah. I think it'll be good. Would... I think in that environment, too, like, it, it'll be... I, I like that pick by the NHL, actually. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think it's... Uh... I'll tell you what. Between this and the... Uh, Frozen Frenzy, uh, which is supposed to happen Tuesday, where basically all 32 teams are going to be playing and uh, the times are going to be staggered. All the start times are going to be staggered. Some good decisions by the NHL. That being said, uh, later on in the episode, we will we will continue to scrutinize them for a decision that they did that uh, is not going so well uh, with Pride Tape. But I will I will give I will I will give credit where it is due with the Frozen Frenzy and the uh, the Heritage Classic game on the weekend. I'm well, willing to give them some praise. There. And I'll say this for those who don't know, there's 16 games Tuesday night, all starting between six Eastern and 11 p.m. Eastern is the latest puck drop. So a five hour window where you could see every single team play. And, and as you mentioned, with the staggered start times, in theory, you could never have to watch an intermission show because you could be flipping from one to the next if you have the, the NHL package and are able to get all those games. So I, I, I'm with you. I think that this will this is a cool initiative uh, by the league. I think you'll see more of it. I believe it's driven a little bit by some some US TV uh, interest in doing this, and, and I can't see why there wouldn't be interest. I mean, other than scheduling, it's probably complicated to have every team playing on too many nights during, during the calendar year if they can do it once or twice. I mean, why not? It's going to be a great night of hockey. Wait, did you say if you have the NHL package? I, I guess I know in ESPN Plus, if you subscribe, you should be able to have access to all of that. But I'm just thinking of everyone who's going to try to watch games either on uh, a regional sports net feed or a TSN feed, and people complain about how they can't watch other games. It'd be nice if they found a way to make all of the games. Ex- we should be at a point where blackouts don't exist. But, you know, that could be a whole other podcast in itself, Siege. Well, you're thinking it from the user end that you don't like blackouts. But, I mean, how do the teams make money by having regional deals and national deals, right? So I just don't know how you solve that piece. But I'm with you. I mean, we, we live in a world where you can, I, I mean, I can watch anything on my phone. So, you know, everything should be available at a price. I mean, you should have to pay for it. I'll say that. Um, okay. But let's, that, that'll that happen in our lifetime. I mean, it, it, it doesn't feel like we're that far away from it. No. I don't think so. And they're anyway. doing puck surfing down south too in the U.S. I think ESPN is doing some version. I, I'm not sure what they're calling it, but they're 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 dropping in on all the games too, so you can watch that. Puck surfing. I don't Isn't know. Isn't that named South? You don't know the day. Isn't that what Dangle <laughs> used to do at Sportsnet? Just ice surfing. Was it ice surfing? Ice surfing. It was ice yeah, surfing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's pretty close. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I still think that was a great idea, and it was just a little too. Uh, uh, I mean, not even ahead of its time because we have NFL Red Zone. Anyway. No, I do just, a whole pod. Yeah. Did that go away during the pandemic? I, I think. think so. I want to say because because it definitely existed before, like just before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened and then everything went to crap. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, one thing that won't go to crap of uh, this episode of the CJ show. Let's get to DB and let's get on with the rest of the show. It's all part of the game. Yeah. I just gotta go home. 
Welcome to You Can Bet That with David Bastel. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. DB, some exciting times coming for us on Tuesday with Frozen Frenzy, with all of the 32 teams playing in the NHL, uh, some staggered times as well. What does sports interaction have for Frozen Frenzy? We have a ton of stuff, and you're absolutely right. Uh, we're having some fun with this. It's uh, novelty bet time. So uh, right now at Sports Interaction, there's probably about 25 to 30 novelty bets. They're adding to it with Canadian-specific bets on those games. But let's just go through a couple of them. Um, I'll, I'll rattle some off, and then we'll talk about some in a bit. So will there be a hat trick? Yes or no? In any of the 16 games, will there be a shutout? Will there be three-plus shorthanded goals total? Will there be five-plus fighting majors total? Power play goals for the entire night is at 19. Total goals for the entire night is at 100. Will four-plus games go into overtime? So there's a lot of that kind of stuff, Julia and CJ, going on. It's it's uh, it's kind of cool. I think this is a pretty good idea from the NHL, and it looks like this might be a tradition uh, moving forward. It just crazy that it's so early in the year because a lot of times you think hmm okay maybe you know but then again cj a lot of that has to do with travel and they kind of want to get things out of the way first off i'm i'm guessing I, i'm not sure right well and i think it's cool that if you do place one of those bets as the night goes on you know the games are staggered so you're you're you know let's say you get to two shorthanded goals and you want three you know each game it kind of builds as you go through it it kind of reminds me maybe a little bit like nfl sunday type of betting yeah big time. experience so it, it's uh I think that I'm with you. I think this is probably the start of a, a trend at some point. Um, I don't really see any downside to this. Maybe if you're playing a, a weird time that the players might not be accustomed to it, but uh, from a fan perspective, this is, this is going to be a pretty exciting night. Now imagine if they did this near the end of the season, sort of like what MLS does on the final day of the regular season as a decision day. Imagine this in the NHL with teams needing to clinch playoff spots or division titles I don't know about you, but like I, I, I love this idea, and obviously, obviously, I love the fact that we were able to bet on it through Sports Interaction, of course, <laughs> DP. Uh, remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in-game, best props. Again, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Thanks, guys. This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by SeatGeek. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. With the NFL and NHL seasons in full swing and the NBA starting soon, SeatGeek has your tickets to every single game, plus artists like Travis Scott and Zach Bryan. They're on tour. You should go see them. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you are getting a good deal, and each ticket is rated on a scale of 1 to 10. So look for the green dots. Green means good. Red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. And you know I came through for you guys. Use my code Johnston for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code Johnston. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. We started the show north, northern Alberta with the Edmonton Oilers. Let's uh, continue with the Calgary Flames, who are more south. Uh, they have a 2-3-1 record. Uh, they did not play well against the Detroit Red Wings on Sunday. Uh, they're without Rasmus Anderson, who had a pretty dangerous hit on Patrick Laine uh, that resulted in him getting suspended for four games. Uh, they are going to appeal uh, the, uh, the suspension. And then you have Noah Hannafin with his contract status. 
and Elliot Freeman reporting on it. Uh, I've tried to follow up on that as well. CJ, which uh, Calgary story sounds more enticing for us to start? Noah Hannafin's contract or Rasmus Anderson's suspension? Maybe we'll start with Anderson because I think it's it's a pretty clear-cut story. And, and you know, Rasmus Anderson has a hearing with Gary Bettman on Monday. So maybe by the time you've uh, tuned into this episode, we might have clarity on what that is. But I think it's sort of interesting because really not many players appeal suspensions. Um, and, and typically, we haven't seen that many suspensions reduced uh, in time. So maybe one one begets the other that that a player tends to just figure what's the what's the point in appealing if if you know more often than not um, it doesn't result in a change but you know it's it's in the CBA every player has the right to do so and it was a dangerous hit I don't I don't think there's any debate like the minute you were in the group chat that night I remember that the minute yeah. basically that hit happened and and once I saw the highlight of it I wasn't watching the game live it's like yeah there's no debate that that's a suspension I suppose where we, we get into spinning the wheel of justice. Um, at times with, with these sorts of things. And, and, you know, four games is a heavy suspension uh, for a player. And I, I don't believe, I know he's been fine, but he wasn't suspended before. Right. So, Correct. Um, you know, that, and, you know, it's not only just the game, if it's, you know, I, th- I think he forfeited about 90 grand. So he's, he's, he's forfeiting something like 20 odd thousand a game. So even if he gets one more game back, it's one more game he can play and it's 20,000 more bucks uh, pre-tax in his bank account. So, I mean, I, there's there's lots of reasons to do so, uh, and so we'll just have to see you know how that that process plays out with with Batman and Anderson. You know, as for Noah Hannafin, uh, you know, kind of a surprising one I'd say, just because you know he had been reluctant it seemed to consider, um, you know, extending with Calgary. I think he wanted to let things play out a little bit. Maybe a player that we thought had his eye on the potential to become a free agent on July first, and and you know he's an American from the Boston area. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise anyone, I don't think, if he wanted to, to play closer to home, um, as would be his right to do. But, you know, in the meantime, the Flames and, and No Hannafin sounds like they're making some progress towards an extension. So maybe uh, he isn't on his way out of town. And, and you know, Craig Conroy is sort of slowly working through that, that long list of UFAs that we've been talking about going back a couple months. Uh, if he's able to get Hannafin signed, you know, still not sure where things go, if anywhere, with Elias Lindholm. Um, you know, but obviously they got Michael Backlund extended before the season, made him the captain and, uh, the to-do list might be getting a little shorter for the Flames GM. I got, I got to say with, with both of those stories, uh, the Rasmus Anderson hit the suspension. I thought they got it right, man. Like elbow to the head, leaving the feet, charging. Those are the line types is injured. Of, yeah. Line is injured. There's that's the type of play that should be suspended for as many games as it got. I mean, there is there was a part in my brain that thought it was only going to be a one or two game thing because of how unpredictable that wheel of justice is for player safety. But four games is just about right for that type of predatory hit. As far as I'm concerned, I can understand from the Flames vantage point that because of the inconsistency, why they would want to suspect why they'd want an appeal on that suspension. Maybe there's, maybe there's a, there's a part, I mean, maybe they wouldn't say it, but the fact that Rasmus Anderson would probably miss the heritage classic. If that's, if that suspension stands, you know, you don't want him to miss that, but I, I don't know. I, I think they got this right. I don't know if I've ever said this about player safety, but I, th- I think they got that suspension, right. And it was a pretty dangerous hit. Like I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think uh, the Flames are kind of in the minority in this one in terms of defending it. Uh, yeah, that's my stance I on gotta, that. I got to say this, though. Like, 
I think player safety takes too much criticism. I mean, and, and look, I'm actually, obviously there's a right for criticism, but I think it's the lowest hanging fruit to be like, why is it this many games? Like no two plays are exactly alike on the ice ever. And they do use, like they do use a scale. Now I think where the criticism might be allowed is like, it should just, they should just give out longer suspensions in general, but keep in mind, generally the owners don't want that. That's, that's taking some of their star talent off the ice potentially for more games and making tickets a little harder to sell and maybe games just a little less interesting as a result. And so I think that they're in a really tough spot where I don't believe they obviously want to offer deterrence to, to dangerous behavior, but I don't think that they really have the hammer to start giving out longer suspensions. I don't know if you remember years ago when Brendan Shanahan was running the department, they started actually giving out heavier suspensions and there was a pushback uh, from the league or within the league, the GMs and, and owners. So, you know, I think that they're in a tough spot, but the reason you don't see a lot of these reduced either, Julian, they actually, they, they have a long catalog of other hits. So I, you know, they have other hits where they've given out this kind of suspension and they could point to that. And so, you know, Gary Bettman ultimately now will make the decision on, on an appeal, but just historically, that's not been, you know, those have not been too successful. And so I, I would be surprised if we saw the suspension reduced um, by the commissioner. Yeah. And when it comes to Noah Hannafin, I've been told that, uh, from a source close to Noah Hannafin's camp, just things seem to be progressing on that and conversations are being had, which just like you Siege, I'm very surprised about because I thought of the three, the big three of UFA of pending UFAs for this team. That's Hannafin. That's Lindholm. It's Backlund. I thought Hannafin was the most likely to leave because it, it seemed as if he wanted to play in the United States and maybe, and maybe he's changed his mind genuinely and maybe we're going to be close to a deal. Who knows? But I thought Noah Hannafin was going to play out the year and then he'd be gone. And look, well, nothing's done until it's done, but I'm surprised that we're at this point. Right. The fact there's talks is news. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Just because there there was a summer where, you know, the player in his camp didn't, didn't have those conversations and wanted to let things go. And I wonder how much of it is, is similar to what happened with Michael Blackland that, you know, Noah Hannafin gets back to Calgary at the start of this year, sees a different atmosphere around the team. All of a sudden, it's not the worst place to, to, you know, do your job every day. Maybe a little better atmosphere and environment for the players. And, and obviously, you know, he's lived in the city for a number of years now. And so, you know, it's players have such short careers. I, I never begrudge anyone. I understand why fans might be pissed if someone wants to leave their team and says they want to go play closer to home. I, I think if you've earned that right, you've earned that right. But it's it's notable that he's looking to stay now they're at least willing to you know enough to have those conversations and to get to a point where we're talking about progress and contract talks absolutely like and 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 it's my understanding that like noah did doesn't dislike the city of calgary like it just it's the it's the the the, the allure of playing at home played a role in why we saw the reports that we did but i don't know i think a lot of people especially this offseason saw all those guys wanting out and a lot of it was very easy to conflate it with the idea that just playing in Calgary was just not a great situation or just not a great city to play in. And yes, the 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 conditions with Daryl Sutter and all that may have played a role, but the city as a whole, like you know, there's nothing bad about the city, or it's not it's not a total deterrent in terms of having people leave and all that. Like I think people need to just kind of recognize that there's some individual cases with some of those players who may have wanted to leave and look we're in a situation now where one of them staying one of them wants their money and another player may be close to getting paid and and staying long term i don't know it's a 
it's a very interesting situation for the Calgary Flames, who, again, are off to that really wonky start themselves. And there are some people who are frustrated because it seems to be reminiscent of what last year was like, but it's still really early. And they were 5-1-0 last year, and they missed the playoffs. So. I don't even remember that. There you go. I mean, I'll they take were you five one further. 5-1-0 last year. Yeah, I'll go take ahead. you one further because I don't live there, and so I'm, I'm not saying this with any bias. I actually believe Calgary has been a good place to play. Like, I think it's viewed that way. A lot of players have spent a lot of time there, including Craig Conroy, right, who had yep. uh, a long tenure as a player. I believe he was – did he go and come back? Anyway, I think he yep. had two stints, two separate stints as, as a flame, and then obviously he's worked in the front office. But lots of guys like playing there. I mean, the the, the two downsides, uh, well, last year just was not a great environment around the team. And then the other, of course, is is the, the rink is the oldest in the league, and they don't have some of the you know nice facilities that you find in other cities. But even that's now – you know, apparently on the way to being addressed, you know, there, there does seem to be a plan again in place for a new arena. And so if you're looking at it, opening a new building with state-of-the-art facilities, it's, it certainly is a great city to live in close to nature out there. Fewer media people running around in some other markets. It's only got to deal with uh, young Julian McKenzie here. Yeah. Uh, getting up in your grill and asking about that turnover or whatever it was in that game. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, I think it is, is a good spot to live and play. And so look, this is, the Lindholm one still is fascinating to me, though, because I would have thought for sure he'd be signed, especially because of his willingness to be signed. But uh, they, they've kind of hit the mud, it seems like, on on the finances in that one. That, that, and that that's it there. That that you see what you just said there. That's why they're in the mud because if if it's a money thing, like we would have seen him signed by now if it wasn't for this money thing. Elias Lindholm has drawn the line in the sand and said, "Pay me what I'm worth," and the team is probably thinking. Eh, I don't know if I want to pay him all that much money. That has to be it. Like, other than that, I mean, we've seen the change in the front office. We, we see the coaching change. There are other guys who are looking to change their tune. Elias Lindholm wants what he wants in terms of money, and he knows no other team can pay him that. The Calgary Flames can do that. Once he hits the market, who knows what he could get. But well, he wants and to get now, paid. I get it. Let's, let's call it as is. Now we have to see what he does this season. He had really good numbers last year. I mean, does that happen again? Or is he potentially going into a free agent, you know, situation where he doesn't have such a good season? I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but that that becomes a dynamic. Obviously, I'm sure it's something in the back of his mind. Uh, it's probably in the back of the team's mind, too. Like, let's let this play out a bit. Like, how, do you, how do things look after 20 games? Maybe there's a chance where he's starting, he's not comfortable with this, and, and they can maybe get the, the numbers lower. I mean, that's that sort of tends to be what happens in all these situations. I, I think the Nylander... Uh, situation in Toronto has some comparables in that, I mean, William Nylander is actually off to a great start for the Leafs, but you know, there was a world where if that didn't happen, maybe that could put some pressure in a certain way in negotiations. Maybe he's putting pressure on the team now to try to get something done. I mean, that's, that's how this, this kind of goes, which is why so many teams, I think like to lock up the player before the season starts. Remember we saw a whack of extensions there right before the year, just because first of all, it just removes the question and it takes that dynamic out of, out of play. Yeah, it becomes less of a story. But in this case, the Calgary Flames, where it doesn't seem as if there's a lot of dull moments, uh, it's definitely going to be a situation we're going to continue to follow. Uh, in terms, did of, you see uh, me radio oh, myself last week on Nylander, By the way, no. What happened? I was on the Leaf Report podcast with Jonah Siegel and James Myrtle, and we just—it literally was the end. Like we talked about, you know, it's it's a podcast focused solely on the Leafs, so we were in all the minutia, but every little Leaf thing. And just at the end, they're like, oh, the Nylander negotiation. And, uh, and then we got talking about it. And I said, you know, I think that there's a 90% chance that he resigns with the Leafs. And, I, and I explained why. But when you put a number on it, yeah, that, that it just gives someone an easy tweet. And then that tweet gets life. 
and uh, I radioed yeah, myself. Not watcher. even on, not even on our own podcast. Like I just just a throwaway line at the end of a thing, and then I go on like TSN radio the next day. It's like yesterday you were on the Leaf Report and you said this. Anyway, I mean this this industry is funny. Like just sometimes. <laughs> it's so easy to put your foot in your mouth. I mean, it's not that I regret it even. It just, it becomes more of a story than I, I wasn't trying to make a story of that situation. I had nothing to really update. I just, you know, laid out that I, I feel like a little bit like Lindholm that he, I think first of all, William Nylander wants to play in Toronto, continue to play in Toronto. And I think the Leafs can give him a contract that he's probably not going to get more money on a seven year deal somewhere else. And so for those two reasons, I was saying to James and Jonas that it's 90%, but boy, I'll, I'll say this, like, you've definitely gone through it more than I have, but this offseason, writing that mailbag column uh, and and just kind of playing around with the suggestion that Columbus could trade for Elias Lindholm and seeing that blow up into a, le, le, I'll put air quotes on this, legitimate rumor. I mean, I don't think it was actually something that was being considered by the Flames, but people ran with it and started suggesting, hey, this should actually happen. They should trade Lindholm for the third overall pick. That's the closest I've ever been to being radioed, and that was just exhausting up until the draft. It was just (laughs) exhausting. Well, I mean, at a certain point, you just have to laugh. I mean, it was our job to fuel interest, but it's just funny when it's done by accident, I guess. Like, there's times you're either writing a story or you're reporting some news, in my case, say, on TSN or on this pod where I know it's going to get a certain reaction. It's just the other times when it happens by accident, like literally you're just two people talking or three people talking in the case of that, that podcast last week. And then all of a sudden I hear from like 10 people about it. It's like, <laughs> Oh my God. So, uh, what would you say the percentage is at now for new letters? <laughs> well, I'm not changing. It's still, it's only a week later. I know we live in inflationary times, but we're still at 90%, bud. All right. Until, until further notice. All right, everyone. We've come up with the title for today's episode. Uh, 90% uh, for William Nylander, says CJ. Run with it, producer Dick. That's her title. That's what's going to get us all the clicks. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's move on to the next topic here. Um, Pride tape. We've talked about it on the show a couple times. Uh, Travis Dermott is uh, the first to defy it uh, since the memo went out. And uh, players start talking out against it. In a game against the Anaheim Ducks over the weekend, uh, you see a little bit of pride tape on Travis Dermott's stick. And this also comes days before uh, the Coyotes are scheduled to have their own pride night. CJ, what did you think of the moment? Well, I've got a lot of respect for Travis. Um, you know, this is something he's he's used pride tape in the past. I even remember back uh, his time with the Maple Leafs, he was always a player who would do that in warmups, uh, you know, on, on those nights when know it was pride night or what would what would have you he's if you look at his instagram he's supported um these causes you know continually in the meantime and and he's obviously doing what he believes is right and you know i think what's significant to me that it's travis dermott is that this is a player coming off significant injuries you know he barely played at all last season he's on a two-way contract with arizona so there's a world where they could send him to tucson and, and he gets paid less money and so you know, he's, he started off the year, he's played all the games for the Coyotes, but, he, you know, he's not someone who's got a firm, firm grip on a job, and he's not someone who has a long-term contract or or even relative to what NHL players make. He probably doesn't have as much money to bank as a lot of other guys. He's got a little less security, I would say, than 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 most NHL players. And, you know, obviously this is something that, that's close to him. He's, he has been an ally uh, for a long time, and I, I just think it, it does take a measure of courage to to do something like that. And, and 
you know, he's, he's the first player now essentially to, I guess you, I want to say dare the league to see if, if they're going to enforce anything, if they're going to, um, you know, try to give them some sort of penalty or fine, you know, at this stage, they haven't done that. Uh, the, you know, league has said that they're going to look at it and consider it. Um, but you know, good for Travis. I don't know if he intends to, to use some in, in every game now, you know, you would expect if he's done it already for the home opener, you know, with the pride night that, that you mentioned coming up on Friday in Arizona, you, you would think that he would, you know, do something similar, but um, you know, I just, I, I have, a lot of respect for him. And I would say for any player, like it doesn't just have to be the pride issue. I mean, I think he's standing up for what he believes in that. That's that, that's what I have respect for. And he's done it in a way that obviously is quite harmless. I mean, I, I don't think that that game, anything was tainted in that game because he had some pride tape like near the knob of his, at the end of his stick. I mean, it, it was, but it was his own statement and um, you know, hats off to him. I think, uh, I think other players will do it now. I think usually when there's one, makes it a little bit easier. You're not, you're not alone on an Island. If you're a second or third player out there, that's considering doing this. I'm sure a number have considered it, right? I mean, we've heard Scott Lawton uh, in Philadelphia, John Merrill, in Minnesota. I'm sure there's been some other players. I might've missed their comments, but we've heard players uh, give vocal support uh, for, for the cause. I'm sure a few others beyond Travis Dermott have considered using pride tape. And I would think we'll see more now uh, because he's made it a little bit easier for everyone else. Yeah. Uh, there were players when this was announced who, expressed disappointment about the ruling, but when they were pressed about whether or not they defy the rule, they, they held back and said, you know what? I, I don't know if I want to get in trouble, but seeing that Travis Dermott has done this, that makes it even more impressive that we've seen star players with much more financial security, just kind of hold back in terms of wanting to go so far as to, to defy the ban. But Travis Dermott, who doesn't have the same level was willing to do that. Uh, so I'll that say, is that makes I'll all say the more too, impressive. The league is boxed in here. Like I don't know, I don't know what you do if you're the NHL. They can't win. I mean, they certainly can't win. I'm sure they also want to snuff out defiance. I mean, I'll go back to my original point on this. I don't know how many players would use pride tape anyway on a given season. It was not a huge, huge number. Um, so it's not like we're going to see 300 players all of a sudden, you know, doing this. I don't believe, but if you have more and more, like it almost makes a bit of a mockery of the, the, like, I just, I, I don't know at the league level, what, what can be done other than, you know, as we discussed a bit in the last show, if, if they kind of repeal this and, or find other ways to allow it, uh, whether it's, it's like the NFL nights or where, you know, where there's designated times where players can support their causes uh, that are close to them. I, I don't, I don't know what the next step in this is, but you know, they've been challenged here a little bit. I, I'm, and I, I'm sure Travis isn't necessarily looking at it that way. He just wants to continue supporting the, you know, something that's close to his heart. Um, you know, he's not, he's not considering necessarily the broader picture, the way you and I are when we're sitting and talking about this, but you know, now I do feel as though like if you just let it happen, I mean, what, I mean, is it a rule? Is it not a rule? Um, stay tuned. I, I don't think we've, we've heard the last of this. I'll put it that way. Nope. Again, with Pride Night coming up for the Coyotes and other Pride Nights coming up for other teams, we have definitely not heard the last of it. And you're absolutely right. The NHL has painted itself into a corner where they either look homophobic for just disciplining someone for wearing, for having Pride tape on their stick, or they look like a joke for having a rule that no one really respects. They can't win. I, I still think that memo, I still think that rule is going to be rescinded at some point because they they can't win in that situation, especially if players are going to defy it the way that Travis Dermott has. There's and no I way. think 
I think they recognize it now, or at least some people in positions of power near the top end of the league recognize it was an overreach. You know, I don't, I'm not sure they can, I mean, certainly I'm not apologizing, like, but I don't, I don't think they considered the full ramifications of everything, put it that way, or, or, you know, envision this scenario. And then you, the next question would be like, how could they not? But, you know, I don't have that answer. It just, yeah. I do think, I do think there's some regret though, even before Travis Dermott doing this, that just, just a recognition that this is probably not what it was intended. They were trying to keep in mind, like their stated reason in the memo was they were trying to reduce the attention on, on things like this. Right. Um, and they felt, cause they felt like, you know, with the, the sweaters last year and, and I'm not saying that they're not necessarily wrong on this. The, the story all became who didn't wear it. Not the 700 players who did wear the, those sweaters on, on pride nights. Um, and so they were trying to, I think, not have negative attention come out of something that fundamentally was good. Um, and so, but, but by moving to say you can't have any of these expressions, it's still creating that attention. So the NHL messed up, man. Yeah. I mean, I think we've, we've said it probably on three or four shows, like nothing. Yes. My view has not changed. Like time no. has not made me view this differently. And I did notice Brian Burke, our friend who I know we've talked about, he, he, you know, retweeted the, the picture of Travis with the pride tape and said he was encouraging other players to follow suit. So, um, I think Berkey's in a tough spot because he's trying not to encourage civil disobedience, but he also understands that this has to be player driven, that, that if you push back on this, like we, we've seen the NHL players association as a body doesn't seem to want to push back on it. Hasn't released any statements during this time. And so it's got to be individual players themselves making choice like Travis did in order to ensure that this, this rule doesn't actually basically accomplish what it was set out to do. Exactly. We'll be following that story as that develops as well. And with that, it's time for Ask CJ, where we take in questions off of Twitter and Discord, and CJ answers them to the best of his ability. Uh, I should to mention, everybody. too, yes. I'm, I appreciate the listeners out there who were shouting you out as being a short guy at the Calvary, Calgary game you were at. That's fair. Uh, there were at least two people who uh, tweeted at me about that. <laughs> Uh, let's they, read they saw, at least one of them. They, they saw you. Did they talk to you in person, or they literally nope. saw you? That's almost they, creepier. That's creep. I, I, I look. I, I don't. I don't understand why people would just like spot me and then just not say anything. Like at right. the very least, like, like confirm your your suspicions. You know, like approach me. Like, I, or just say hi. Like, I think it's totally cool yeah. if you just like see me and you're like, hey man, like, we like your stuff. I don't know. Just like seeing me I mean, and then tweeting and then adding me after the fact, be like, this dude is short. Like, I don't know if you need to do that, but I don't know. Well, I uh, just appreciate that they're out there holding you to account because that that's was fair. That still is the most ridiculous thing you've said in the third season of our show that you were. Okay. <laughs> that you you were trying to claim to be tall was like. I didn't say I was trying to be tall. You, were, I was you saying, made a mockery of the show. I, no, no. I never said I was trying to be tall. I'm not having this fight with you. Did, okay. uh, the, Do you know what someone once did to me though? And this was totally what? creepy. Once I was yes. in like a Starbucks or whatever. And then I like, look, I opened my Twitter app at some point and someone said, I'm pretty sure at reporter Chris was just at my Starbucks. And there was like a grainy photo of me <laughs> like picking up my coffee. And I was like, <laughs> like, just come say hi. Like I would never yeah. be offended by anyone saying, hi. even if you come over and be like, Hey, Chris, I hated your take on this. Like, I don't even care if you come up and want to tell me I'm an idiot about something I've said or written or what have you. But to like have a grainy photo, like I'm pretty sure reporter Chris, like 
He's like, yes, I do go to a Starbucks to get coffee in Toronto where I live. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find is is the photo still up? Oh, I don't know. This is a this is years ago. This is this is like I'm gonna ballpark this at like five years ago. So I don't even oh, know. Oh my god! But uh, but yeah, that was like the weirdest thing. Anyway, there was just actually this funny. I just searched it on Twitter. There's a tweet from October of last year, and someone uh, tweeted at you saying, "Were you just at the Coburg Starbucks?" That is crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. People I don't even remember do that the... one. Yo. <laughs> well, the odds, okay, the odds are pretty good if you see someone that looks like me in a Coburg Starbucks. Yeah. And you know me well enough, you probably know I'm from Coburg. I haven't, I don't exactly make a secret of where I'm from. No. I, pro- I probably was there a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. Okay. I, I, right. I actually ran a, a 10K race on Sunday. and. Yes. And I was getting recognized on the course a little bit there too. So, but again, at least there, someone's like, "Hey, it's Chris Johnson." So it's not quite as weird. But <laughs> local man attends Starbucks. Like, I don't get it, man. So one of the tweets uh, from Justin Connolly. Uh, I saw you at the. This is at me. Uh, I saw you at the Cavalry FC game. Uh, on Saturday, I can confirm that you are a short king, and I have to question if you're actually 5'9", as you claim. I'm 5'8", and that's being generous, and we looked around the same height. I was going to say hi, but you were busy. Busy doing what? I was either watching the game, or I was, like, talking with my friends that were there. Like, you could have just, I don't know. You, this is just for anybody. If you see me and you feel too shy to say hi, don't feel shy. Just say hi. Yes. It's totally fine. You don't have to. You don't have to do the whole thing after being like this. This this MF is short. Like, and I was, and I, he was too busy for me to go to him and say hi. What well, is this? The other thing is like we literally are like D list celebrities, right? Like I've, I, I, so many people are just like, hey, you're that guy, and I'm like, yep, yeah, I am that guy. And they're like, him. okay, cool. Like you know what I mean? Like no one's ever that excited to see you generally. No. Like they're like, hey, I recognize you, and then that's that's the end of it. It's not like we're actually famous or, you know, what I mean. Anyway, this is this is, I didn't mean to go down this road, but no, it's fine. No, it's fine. It's very fine. It's totally funny. Um, but yeah, shout out to you, Justin. Uh, if we ever uh, cross paths, uh, don't be afraid to say hi. Um, here's another one from uh, Bears Fueler. Uh, can Line and the NHLPA counter appeal Anderson? No. So, I mean, as far as Patrick Line is concerned, he's he's out of this process entirely. So. A player just has a right to appeal a suspension, and and that's that's that really. I mean, I guess Line could do an interview with a reporter and say, "Hey, this is BS. I don't think it should be four games." Like you know that he can he could make his he can have a comment on it, but but there's he's not part of the formal process of of the appeal. Okay, uh, a few people probably because it's it's me. Uh, we're all the mentions being like, "Hey, uh, what about the Flames rebuilding?" Uh, specifically, one from. F hack three. It's probably unlikely because Huberto, Uyghur, and Kadri all signed long term. What are the chances the Flames blow the team up this season? A follow up question: Who is the most underrated player in the league? I think if we're putting percentages on it, there's like a less than one percent chance the Flames are blowing up their team. I mean, for the reasons you mentioned, they have. I mean, they're they're in a clear direction. It's not to say there can't be at some point a direction change, but you're not doing that in year two of the Kadri deal of the Huberto deal of the Uyghur deal. I mean, you got to see this out farther. It doesn't mean there won't be changes. Doesn't mean that they won't 
even make some big changes, but I, I don't see them going into full rebuild mode. I mean, I, I think we're years from that myself. So it's a, it's a, when you ask what are the chances, it's like infinitesimally small that that, that happens. Especially if they end up signing Noah Hannafin, if they find the money to sign Elias Lindholm as well. Yeah. You're firmly locked into a competitive window. Sorry. Right. Um, and you might do things yeah. to be more competitive. Like I'm not saying they don't make a big trade within the context of that. Or, or shake things up a little bit, but you're you're making those trades not to get worse, to get a high draft pick. You're making those trades with the goal of getting better in the moment. Okay, next one. Let's, let's take some questions off of Discord. Uh, I know you hate this word, uh, but it might be a relevant question. This is from Daniel. Uh, Howdy, I know a lot of people have been getting COVID more recently, and I was wondering what the NHL's policy is currently. I imagine with new vaccines and treatments, it would be less strict, but is anything keeping someone with it but is anything keeping someone with it from playing in a game? Love the show. Let's go Red Wings. I haven't heard that word used in an NHL conversation in like a year. Yeah. So I'm not saying the league, I'm sure the league is monitoring it um, and would be aware of everything. But if you remember, I mean, basically every NHL player was vaccinated. Uh, doesn't seem to be at a point in broader society. I'm not I'm a little out of my depth here, but it's not, you know, I can still go to the grocery store and the, the local restaurant and all that stuff. So I, I don't think anything's shutting down anytime soon. And I don't think the league really has much to be worried about there. Okay. Um, Jacob O'Rourke, this is for both Julian and CJ. Who are the people you give the most credit to for igniting your passion for hockey and or journalism? Wow. I mean, my parents, That's a good I question. Think, oh, I think wow. Okay. I think it's gotta be my parents. I mean, cause I, in my case, and I've told the story enough, but, you know, I've wanted to do this for so long. It had to come from there. I mean, I, uh, you know, got into hockey watching with my dad and, and playing, you know, he put me in the sport from a really young age. My mom always read the newspaper. And so those, those two things kind of, it, it was like the formula that created my, my spark for it. And so lots of people have been responsible along the way, maybe for helping me keep the spark or for, you know, climbing the rungs and making this into a career. But it, for me, it starts right at the beginning and, and, with the people that raised me. Yeah. I think I'm in the same boat too. Uh, I will, uh, I mean, my parents, obviously, uh, they recognize uh, what, what I really enjoyed from your, your, uh, inaugural piece at the athletic detailing your journey. We are both people who knew from a very young age that we wanted to work in sports journalism. And I think that's just so cool to always see someone else who was also thinking about doing that when they were like five or six. So just, I just want that said, uh, but I know my, my parents were totally cool with it. And my grandfather uh, paid for my uh, Montreal Gazette subscription. So I would get like the, I would just tear out the sports section like all the time. Uh, and if it wasn't for my grandfather, um, well, I'll put both my grandparents and all that because they, they really helped with that too. Um, yeah. That, that passion may never, may never have been there, but uh, it is. Still I'll tell here. you, I'll tell you who didn't ignite the spark for those that didn't read my letter is Mrs. Maloney, my grade one teacher who mm, continually wrote, it. who continually wrote in my journal, like, can you write about something other than sports? Chris really likes writing about hockey and like was really down on me doing that every day. And so, I mean, I'm not, I actually got no beef with her. I just think it's funny <laughs> that she was like, can you write about something else? And I was just was so headstrong or dumb or whatever it was. I just was like, no, I'm going to keep writing about hockey every day. And then here I am at, age early 40s and i'm ready about hockey every day 
And it, it sure worked out, man. I mean, look, don't let your dreams be dreams. Don't listen to the haters, man. Just <laughs> do your thing. I mean, she probably just didn't need to read about the Stanley Cup every day or whatever. <laughs> I can't say I blame her necessarily, but you keep putting the Leafs in there. <laughs> I didn't take direction well, no, evidently. I'm, I'm, it's 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 questionable. Now. No, I'm kidding. You take direction, all right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's gonna do it for uh, today's edition of uh, the CJ Show. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand spanking new episode. Uh, I don't normally do this, but. Um, when you're liking the show on YouTube, also leave a, you know, you can leave a nice comment for us. But also if you're listening on like Spotify or Apple, leave a, leave a rating, leave a five-star rating if you can. That'd be nice. We'd really appreciate it. And uh, continue to listen to all the other great SDPN shows as well. Agent Provocateur is a great show. Uh, the Steve Dangle podcast is a small burgeoning podcast that needs all the support you can get. So it can become <laughs> a really good show one day. I really believe in those boys, Steve, uh, Adam, and Jesse. They're, they know things. Right? They, just, they just need a little bit. They just need a push, CJ. They just need some help. I like that you're there for your friends. You're a good man. You too. <laughs> all right, guys. Enjoy your Monday. Uh, we'll see you Thursday. For CJ, I'm Julian. Peace. The Chris Johnson Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Always remember to bet local. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK and McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.